Good morning. Good morning. Uh, before we begin our sermon for this morning, let me wish all the mothers present here this morning and also those who will be listening on sermon audio. Happy Mother's Day. And may the Lord richly bless you all this very special day. And to all the children here this morning, both young and old, let me encourage you all to honor your mothers this day. They are more influential in molding your character and instilling in you love not only for God, but also for others more than anyone else this side of heaven. God has a very special place in his heart for mothers because he designed them to be his channel of blessings, not only to their children, but to their husbands as well. The Bible tells us that she is a gift to us and as such needs to be loved cherished, and above all, honored. And the families which place moms in their rightful place of honor do flourish spiritually. But unfortunately today, the God-ordained family is under horrendous <coughs> attack by Satan, who fiendishly has deceived, unsuspecting, ideologically minded, <coughs> highly indoctrinated, but poorly educated young generations into casting off all semblance of the traditional family unit. And we who have been redeemed by the Lord Jesus can clearly see the incredible damage that has been caused. And so with those thoughts in mind, I would like for us to look at a few scriptures and what God has to say about mothers. First of all, let's look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honor thy father and thy mother. And here's the reason. That thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. This is the most important commandment in the mind of God, which pertains to our treatment of our fellow man. There is no question in the mind of that tiny child who is lovingly cradled in the arms of his or her mother, who the most important person is to them in their life, at least at that moment. But let's read another passage in Mark chapter 7, verses 24 to 30. Mark chapter 7, 24 to 30. And from thence he arose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon and entered into a house and would have no man know it, but he could not be hid. For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. 
Verse 27. But Jesus said unto her, Let the children be filled, for it is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she answered and said unto him, Yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. And he said unto her, For this saying, Go thy way, the devil is gone out of thy daughter. And when she was come to her house, she found the devil gone out, and her daughter laid upon the bed. Now let's read Matthew's account, and we will be given some other details that Mark did not include. Matthew 15, verses 21 to 28. Matthew 15, 21 to 28. Reading at verse 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. And, behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coasts and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now when the Lord made this statement, he said it to his disciples. He didn't say it to the lady. He turned to his disciples and made this statement. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. I've entitled uh, our message for this morning, A Mother's Heart, A Mother's Heart. That seemed to be a fitting title for this sermon because what we have here before us is a most beautiful description of a mother's love and devotion to and for her ailing daughter and her unswerving faith in the Savior's ability to heal her daughter as demonstrated through her fervent prayer. And so as we begin our text here in Matthew 15, 21, we read that Jesus went thence and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. Now, he did not go into those two cities, but rather to the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. Now, Tyre and Sidon were ancient ports of Phoenicia, or as we know it today, Syria. They were on the Mediterranean Sea coast, about 20 miles apart from each other. They were north of Jerusalem and almost directly west of Damascus. 
And so we see our Lord leaving the loathsome company of the Pharisees and going as far as he could away from them without leaving his own country. In Mark's gospel, chapter 7, verse 24, we are told that he entered into a house and would have no man know it, but he could not be hid. No matter where our Lord went, needy souls were sure to find him and to pursue him. Believing hearts always yearn for Jesus and often go to great lengths and much difficulty to reach him. It was no different here. We read further in Mark's Gospel, chapter 7, 25 to 26, that a certain woman, a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, heard of him and came and fell at his feet. Now she, we understand by the term Syrophoenician, was an inhabitant of the northern part of Phoenicia called Syrophoenicia. Because of its proximity to Syria, and also because of its adoption by conquest into that kingdom. Matthew 16.22 calls her a woman of Canaan. Now that is in respect to her nationality. She was a descendant of Canaan. So she was not a Jewess. She had no claim to the one who was called the son of David. She was a Gentile and a woman. Her chances of meeting with this Jesus of Nazareth were at best very slim. But there was something much more significant to this woman from Canaan, something that the Son of God himself valued and was pleased to grant honor to. She was a mother, and as a mother, her loving heart was moved to find Jesus so that he would heal her daughter, say the scriptures, was grievously vexed with the devil, Matthew 15:22. There is perhaps no more frightening situation to be in in all of this life than to be, as the scripture puts it, vexed with the devil. Demon possession is the most violent and cruel affliction to suffer this side of heaven. We get a glimpse of this horrible affliction from Mark's account of the demoniac of the Gadareans in Mark 5, verses 1 to 5. And they came over onto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come up out of the ships, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had often bound, been bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. Demon possession is still prevalent in the world today. 
countless thousands and hundreds of thousands in our twin countries of Canada and the United States of America have this awful affliction. It is often diagnosed incorrectly. The patient is put into psychiatric wards, sedated and isolated. But there is no cure for them because it is a spiritual problem. There has been involvement somehow in the occult in some manner or other in the past. And as, and as such, the matter needs to be addressed by the only one who has power over such things. And that is the Son of God himself. So-called medical treatments and psychological counseling does nothing for the patient in such a state. He or she remains a danger both to himself and to society and therefore must be permanently isolated. But as we return to our text, we see that this poor woman, when she found Jesus, cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. Please notice her first words addressed to the Savior. Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. The Bible tells us in Psalm 147, 11, The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him, in those that hope in his mercy. And in Psalm 136, 1, we read, O oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. No sinner has ever found favor with the Lord without seeking his mercy first. Though she was a Gentile, a stranger to the Jewish God, yet in her soul there was a kindling faith that drew her to Jesus. Her love for her daughter drove her to bended knees and prayer and weeping, crying out to God, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. Oh, see the preciousness of a mother's love for her child. A mother's love does not care if others are offended by its cries for mercy. A mother's love does not care if one's respect and reputation is lost. It does not matter to a mother's love if obstacles are too great to overcome. What does matter is that that love must be allowed to make its way into the heart of God who is merciful and gracious to all. There isn't a mother alive anywhere who genuinely loves her children, who wouldn't walk through open flames with her sick child in her arms if she believed there was a cure on the other side. Oh, let me address the older children who may be sitting here this morning or those who may be listening to this message by sermon audio. Some of you are no longer very young. Most of you are quite mature in age. It makes no difference how old you are. But if you still have mothers who are alive, honor them. The Bible says in Exodus 20:12, honor thy father and thy mother, 
that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. And then in Ephesians 6, verses 1 to 3, we read, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. God has programmed the mother to love her children in a way that no one else can love them. Now, sometimes the devil destroys that love by distorting her circuits through false teachings and doctrines. And she may totally rebel later on in the God-given role and as such will depart from her most precious status in life. And we need to be vigilant and not let that happen. But a mother's heart is naturally disposed to loving her children, to providing her for her children, and to protecting her children. And when a mother becomes a believer, her heart then becomes a praying heart. She prays day and night and day for her children's welfare and safety and health. Oh, if only children could grasp how important it is to obey their mothers and to love them back just as intensely. What a wonderful world this would then be. As we return to our main text, we see that Jesus in verse uh, 23, answered her not a word, and the disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This at first glance seems to be a most discouraging response from the Savior. He answered her not a word. Oh, dearly beloved, have you ever gone to the Savior in prayer in your time of dire need and have met with silence from the Almighty? Do not despair, but learn of this Seraphonician mother. She did not quit. She did not give up. She continued to cry after him, for she knew who he was. She called him Lord, owning him to be deity with power over all creation. She called him the son of David, owning him to be the Messiah. And therefore, as the Messiah, he would surely grant her mercy. Our Lord's disciples were, it seems, embarrassed for they asked of our Savior to send her away because they cried, she cried after them. And oh, how mistaken they were. She did not cry after them. She cried after him. She did not cry after those who could not help her. She cried unto the only one whom she knew had the power to help her child. If he would but grant her mercy, 
she would be sure to find healing for her daughter. Her faith would not let him go. Hebrews 11.6 reminds us that without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. In verse 24 of Matthew's Gospel, we read further that though Jesus answered his disciples and not the woman when he said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of Israel, yet would he not send her away, because it was for such wretched souls as this that the Savior came to seek and to save. He would remain true to his calling and in no wise cast her that cometh to him. Nevertheless, how these words must have hurt her. She knew that she was not of the house of Israel. She knew that she could not number herself amongst the sheep that he was sent to save. Yet she pursued him with greater pleading. She came nearer to him and fell at his feet and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Though the text is silent on this matter, I will nonetheless hazard a guess that this mother's tender eyes, filled with tears from pleading for her daughter, caught the Savior's loving glance as he spoke to her for the first time. Let the children first be filled, for it is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. Truth, Lord, was her reply. She did not contradict the master. Truth, Lord, I know that I am but a dog, not worthy of the least of thy mercies. I know that a sinner such as I have no claim to thee. But even dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Just a crumb would satisfy me, Lord, just a crumb. Does it not put us to shame about our feeble prayers to the Savior? When we see the travail of this mother's heart, what she sought was to her a great blessing. But in the light of the Lord's great bounty, it was but a crumb. Our Savior loves great faith and grants whatever it desires. This was a Gentile woman who knew very little of the Savior. But her faith was a most surprising faith, for it believed in a silent Christ, in one who seemed to trust her with, uh, to treat her with a rebuff, in one who calls her a dog, yet she believed that he could cure her daughter at once. And so she clung to him, pleading, Lord, help me. Notice the reward of such a prayer and such a faith. Verse 28, Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. Now Mark's gospel in chapter 7, verses 29 to 30, completes the story. 
And he said unto her, For this saying, Go thy way, the devil is gone out of thy daughter. And when she was come to her house, she found the devil gone out, and her daughter laid upon the bed. When our will conforms to the will of Christ our Lord, then the desires of our hearts will be granted. Those who deny Christ nothing shall find that he too will deny them nothing in the end as well. Even though at first it may seem that he is hiding his face from them. And when we come to this mother as she did, let me put it another way. And when we come, as this mother did, to pray against all those things that she was faced with, we can be sure that Christ will grant our desire and our prayer. And though Satan may sift us as he did Peter, and buffet us as he did Paul. Yet through fervent prayer, prayer and Christ's intercession and the sufficiency of his grace, we shall be more than conquerors through him that loved us. That is what we are told in Romans 8, verses 35 to 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Verse 38. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so we come to the end of our text for this morning. But before I step down from this platform, I would like to address each of the mothers here this morning and those who will possibly be listening by sermon audio. Mothers, you cannot possibly imagine how much you mean to the happy functioning of the Christian home. You do have a special place in the heart of God as a mother. You do have a God-given gift and capacity to love your children. And your husband, as no one else can. Do it always with joy as unto the Lord. Because there is no greater calling job or responsibility on this side of heaven than to carry out your motherhood. 
And now just a word to the husbands and or fathers here this morning. Husbands, do love your wives. If you do love them the way the scriptures command us to, it makes their job so much easier. The greatest thing that you can ever do for your children is to love their mother and to show them how to give her a place of honor in your home. Unfortunately, our society has forgotten this, and as a result, the family unit is in shambles. And to the children, whether you are young or old or have children of your own, it makes no difference. Obey your mothers, carry out their requests, however trivial they may seem to you. She is God's love gift to you, and you are to her. And the most wonderful gift that a child could possibly give to his or her mother is the answer to her prayers for your salvation. That you too have trusted Christ as your own Savior and Lord and will someday spend all of eternity with her in his glorious presence. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank thee so much for this precious, precious story of a mother's love for her daughter and how God loves mothers and how he has given mothers a special capacity and gift to love their children. Help us, Lord, to learn from this example and to apply it to our own lives each day. Part us now with thy blessings, we pray, dear Lord, and if the Lord be not come, may it please thee to bring us together once again next Lord's Day around his table to remember what he has accomplished for each of us on the cross of Calvary. For we do always ask it in his name and for his glory. Amen.